Hello and welcome to this week's edition of In the Lion's Den. I'm your host, James Boyle, joined as always by my father, Dennis Boyle. We survived the Nor'easter. And uh, Rick Catamaran. Yellow. I was going to try to do something funny, but... Yeah, you botched it. Mm -hmm. I think I said Russian correspondent like six weeks in a row. I think so, too. And then I said Mexican correspondent wars. now. <laughs> See, <laughs> Mexico, that was good, right? It was great. It's good. gorgeous. I found out where we were was closer to Florida than it is to Texas. Which oh, is. okay. Where'd you go? Uh, Riviera Maya. Wow, is that so... like Sandals, Jamaica, or? <laughs> When you say "Hey Ma," they have to say "Hey Ma and Buck." No, uh, no, it's it's a it's like a place. It's a real place. It's it's not like it sounds a, like an aromatherapy or, place. No, not at all. It's that's the real name. It's not it's not like uh, made by it wasn't bestowed on it by some resort company or something like that. It's some oh, yeah, Hilton, all inclusive. Was we, it a long weekend or? Yeah, just Friday to okay. Monday night. Yeah. So tonight we watched season two, episode eight, entitled "The Prince of Winterfell." Theon. Theon is that? Theon was a central character here. What's so on your notes? It, it opens up with uh, Theon and his sister just constantly breaking his balls. Now, is this the same one that when they were walking or riding along on the steed, he was playing with her junk? Yeah. <laughs> only to then discover that she was his sister, which shouldn't surprise me, but she actually, Rick, called him the C-word. She the called C-word, him. The C-word featured heavily. Yeah, yeah. Episode. It was a recurring theme tonight. That's big with the Brits, though, right? Yeah, I guess for us, it's not as... I mean, it's more dramatic for us. Well, yeah, right. She like called when... him that. When we were, yeah, right. That's that's a, that's a new one. Well, it is International Women's Day, I guess. So it's only appropriate. No, is, I, it, is it now? It is. Yes. Um, so we got to do something on behalf of. Oh yeah, uh, we should do something. She's breaking the stones to the point where he's bragging because he took Winterfell with like what would he say, twenty guys or something. Yeah. Acting like a hotshot, and she's here. Yeah, and you're a hundred miles from the water. Yeah. So, so what'd you do? You did nothing. She's telling him you're an idiot. Our strength is in the ships, she's telling them. Then we go to Jon Snow, who is now captive, if you'll remember, of the Winterlings. Wildlings. The Wildlings, yes. Um, I'm trying to think if anything of note ha- happened there. They just She's mentioning, what, what is her name again? The girl that he hey, was, She's Egret. Egret. She was saying, this is Ned Stark's bastard son. Because the one guy wants to kill him, right? Yeah, so Jon Snow is taken captive now. We see that he's being led through this winter wasteland by the wildlings. You might remember when they were sleeping together trying to keep warm and he had the chubby and that whole thing that played out last week. They didn't bang, he's though. A, he's a Valsal, right? Yeah, he's a Valsal. Exactly. According to his... Uh, his uh, his oath? Yeah, his oath. He's an oath, so... <laughs> she was going to teach him, but he said, I know how to do it. So she, at one point, uh, one of the wildling leaders says we need to kill him and she talks her his way out of instant death. She says, we should bring him to Mance Raider. Ned Stark gets a couple mentions tonight. Uh, you can see how his influence continues to be a factor. So she saves him from being butchered. They're going to take him to this Mance Raider, who is, quote, the king beyond the wall. 
Um, and then Corin Halfhand, just to wrap up his story for the episode. Corin Halfhand is this ranger of the Night's Watch, and he basically tells Jon Snow the other rangers had gotten killed because of Jon's an idiot and couldn't kill this girl. So he says, don't let their deaths be in vain. You can be like a, you can get in there as a mole into the wildlings. However, and, they are not dead, are they? Well, the other Night's Watch are. There they are. In trying to chase him down. Yeah, and, and they, they got, got captured. captured, yeah. So he tells him, John says, they'll never believe that a crow is gone to the wilding side. And Corrin says, they will if you do what's needed. And then he kind of shoves him and starts yelling at him and acting like he's all mad at him. So we'll see what happens there. But that was the end of Jon Snow's story for the, for the episode. An interesting twist on that is as good actors as they are, when they're acting... They're not doing very good acting. Like he, you know what I mean. He was like faking, like he was. Oh right, right. Yeah. He's acting in the in the episode. The character himself right. is acting. Yeah. And then we fast forward to Rob Stark and the wonderful nurse Talisa. Is that? I think it's Talisa. Yeah. This is in the Westerlands. Starting to bring in a little romance into all this violence, and uh, you could see that he's got the hots for her. So we learned that Catelyn let go. Let Jamie go, right? That's yes. Catelyn, we come to find out while Rob was restocking his men's supplies, she has released Jamie Lannister, uh, the Kingslayer, in the charge of Brienne, the giant woman, uh, <laughs> Captain there's, Phasma. Yeah, there's the an interesting, <laughs> interesting scene with them too. Uh, in the hopes that she can send them to King's Landing. And get the girls back safely. Yeah, they have good banter. The um, he tells her you're uglier in the daytime. <laughs> That's yeah. the first thing we see of him. And well, in she pulled that uh, uh, gunny sack off of his head. Yeah, and he, goes, and he looks up and says, "Wow, you are you are homely looking in the daylight." <laughs> Who would you put your money on with them two? So that's the big thing. He keeps telling her, un, undo my hands. Like, he's, he's handcuffed. And he says, untie me and let's let's battle. And I'm see surprised she doesn't say, yeah, put him on me. <laughs> <laughs> so they're making their way towards King's Landing. We'll see what happens. Treason, there. they're calling her. Yeah, and Catelyn Stark is now under watch because she was committed treason against the king who is of course her own son now her thinking is in order to use the again the bargaining chips right right she's hoping that she can trade him jamie for the two girls so she is the big tall amazon woman is brienne of tarth where is tarth tarth is like um uh a lordship (laughs) she's off at 95 Exit um, thirty seven. <laughs> uh, it's like her royal family's uh, stronghold. So, like how the Starks come from Winterfell, she comes from Tarth. There's something about her. I don't know what it is. I guess it's that idea of climbing all that shit. <laughs> she is. Yeah. How do they do it? It doesn't seem like camera angle. I think she might be that big. Yeah. I don't know. Rick is she? Is Captain Phasma a, a massively large human? I don't recall, I mean, from seeing her in the Star Wars films, I don't recall her being, I, I feel like she was eye to eye with people. Like, yeah. Mm. But she was kneeling the whole time. Something about her, I don't know. <laughs> Tame it's that reverse, reverse Tom Cruise. 
<laughs> Antonio Banderas is like that too. He's real short. Really? He's short, yeah. And Stallone, right? I mean, yes. they always said. I was yeah, interested in. Thought, yeah. <laughs> in the old days when they would make the doors smaller so that the actors would look bigger. Oh, really? Yeah. She is 6'3. I don't foot know. Three. Is that still a thing? She's 6'3? Yeah. Wow. Every inch of that. Maybe they shrunk her in Star Wars. I always wonder if she shaves under her arms. It's <laughs> something I thought about. Then we see the father Lannister in his court where they're strategizing. Um, and he kind of respects Rob Stark, does he not? Or yeah. Does he, like one of the things he says is he doesn't know enough to be afraid. Right. He says, that was a good scene. He's yeah. Saying, You're talking about a kid who hasn't lost a battle yet. He'll do anything. He doesn't right. know enough to be afraid. And of course, Ari has the big ear up. Yeah, so to she's him. listening in, like, "Oh shit, I got to do something." Because they're what they're they're gonna basically march overnight to try to take Rob Stark unawares. Um, so she scrambles to find her buddy, the the assassin friend, the guy who she is owed <clears throat> three lives, two of which she's used. Why is that, by the way? Remember, she saved him and the two other guys oh, from the right. fire. That's so right. he said, "They're his weird religion or whatever is like you stole three lives from the red god. The red god demands to be made whole. So you need to now pick three people to die." And why, pray tell, did she use up two of them already? Well, remember that was in the this season. Did they? Did he killed the first somebody? one. She kills the torturer guy, the tickler. Yeah, yep. Second one, remember the guy caught her stealing that note, and he oh, gets yeah, the dart yeah. right in the neck. Got it. So now the third one, she wants to kill. She wants to order him to kill Tywin before he leaves for this march, but she doesn't find him in time. Um, a little later on, and we'll skip ahead in your notes here, but just to wrap up because her little storyline, um, she tells him, "Okay, I have a th- no." She says, "You need to help me and my friends escape tonight." And he says, for me to help you escape would require much more than one more life. And she says, okay, fine. Then I have another name for you. And she says, Jock and Hakar, which is his name. So she basically tells him, that, okay, fine. Then you have to kill yourself. So he gets all pissed and he's like, all right, unname me. That's not right. This ain't cool. I don't want to kill myself. Right, right. So she says, okay, I'll unname you, but you have to help my friends and me escape. She's rapidly becoming one of my favorites. Yeah, she's slick. And uh, one thing of note, when she names the assassin, he looks at her like and kind of gives her a face and says, no, you can't. And then she's like, no, that's who I want. That's the name I yeah. want. And he goes, you to me? and he says, a girl has no honor, which, of course, we know her dad, Ned, was known to be this honorable bastion of honor. And she just kind of shrugs like, yeah, bitch, I don't. But he has no idea <laughs> whose daughter she is. No. You know. But uh, so the assassin says, fine, unname me and I'll help you guys escape. Walk through the gates at midnight. So her and her friends, they're kind of scared and at midnight and they see these two guards at the gates. But she says, no, I trust this guy. Let's do it. They walk through the gate. And as they walk, you see the two guards are, like, impaled on spears. Nice. So they got open gate, and they get out of Harren Hall. So they're free now. So the um, we see Tyrion and Bronn, mm-hmm. that guy who is his lifesaver, I call him. They're chatting, and, and uh, 
talking about this marked drop in thievery, which I was wondering why, what, why the banter about that. But they are planning on a way to combat Stanos and what's the other guy, Davos? Davos, yeah. So the big thing, they're discussing how to defend the city against this impending attack from Stannis Baratheon. They, they've gotten word that Stannis is approaching on ships uh, through this narrow sea, it's called, and they're going to lay siege. His army's going to lay siege to the city of uh, King's Landing. So Tyrion is pouring over these giant historical books trying to figure out ways that King's Landing's been successfully defended from sieges in the past. Uh, and Bronn, his kind of second-hand man, is telling him, basically saying, we're screwed. We don't have the men to fight. Um, and he's saying, you know, have you ever lived through a siege before? First the poor eat each other, then they the rats, and things just devolve into chaos, so... He's telling them we need more men, and that's about it. And they are um, the the master whisperer gets in there. And yeah, he's Varys. He's always adding his little flip chatter. Yeah, the spider. They call what is him. his function? We don't really know. Oh, okay. At some point, they Tyrion says to him, "What are you looking for?" Yeah, he, he says, seems like little boys. I would think he's looking for. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he is creepy. <laughs> I, I mean, I hate to assume we're not supposed to do that but he just seems like he's really a weird character but a tremendous actor yeah yeah he's a great actor and they um what's that rick i I see mentioned to several old texts that they're using to plan the defense of the city Mm -hmm. what are those uh they're just like historical books it was that big one is like name. a history of successful sieges in Westeros or something. He doesn't pronounce the name right. Yeah, the other, the it's like a little running gag that he couldn't pronounce the name. But basically, he's oh, just like what's that? Yeah, yeah, it's me. <laughs> he has a series of mini strokes while he's trying to <laughs> record a podcast. So then the next thing opens up that puzzles me, and it's all them Night's Watch guys. They're digging latrines. And they come upon these um, dragon glass. Yeah. Like he removed what looked like a manhole cover. Yeah. But uh, now that that's new. We've never yeah, seen Yeah, we this don't before. know the we're, significance. We're, so we're not caught up enough in trying to keep up with everybody. we got to figure out what this new <laughs> shit is going to do. Well, they just kind of plant the seeds along. Yeah. Like, that's some new mystery. What does that mean? I don't know. We don't know. And then, of course, the what are usually my favorite scenes are Tyrion and, as I lovingly refer to her, as the Queen Bitch. Well, what is yeah. her name again? Cersei. Cersei. Not Cersei. Well, I guess, I think they say Cersei. As opposed to the maybe. little gal that had her uh, friend. Like, That's Sansa. Sansa. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Keep up with this, Rick. They have a good scene together. Beautiful, so. yeah. <laughs> so basically, Cersei says to Tyrion... Mainly, he's just putting Joffrey down, which I love. Yeah. So, Cersei finds out that Tyrion is to fight in this battle to come. And Tyrion's telling her... Or no, Joffrey. I'm sorry. Joffrey's going right. to fight in this battle. He's saying he has to. Yeah. Tyrion's saying, as the king, he has to be out there. Rather than hiding behind his mother's skirt. Right. Yeah. So, he says the king needs to lead his men. He'll have his king's guard there. Uh, and she says to him, basically, she takes this as a personal attack. And she says, I know what you're doing. You've sent my daughter away. Now you send my eldest son to battle to die. 
and she says, "I found your whore," and says to him, oh, basically is really threatening good. her life. She yep. says, "I didn't beat her up too much. Yeah, the the wounds says, will heal." Anything that happens to Joffrey on the battlefield will happen tenfold to your little girlfriend, yada, yada, yada. Well, they bring her in, and it turns out it's not his whore. It's a different I believe girl. the C word worked its way into there. Yeah, there's a lot of dropping C-bombs in here. Uh, so Tyrion keeps up the ruse. like He acts like he's furious with her. And then runs after this whole exchange, runs to his quarters to find Shay, his actual girl. And, and he kind actually of, looks happy yeah, to like see her. Yeah, <laughs> like seems like he's actually in love with It's so Shay. funny. They run to each other and you can almost hear this old romantic music and then he hugs her around the belt. <laughs> <laughs> but you're supposed to say, oh, they really love one another. She seems equally smitten. Yeah, she likes him. Smitten with him. But he's telling her, you know, you're in danger. There's people that want to hurt you and she's kind of... She's headstrong, but I think he's worried about her. Stuff. But now the poor other fake whore is going to get keep getting beat up, or what? Yeah, she kind of <laughs> says to him like, "Yeah, yeah that, I, that mean, you know, having a I was time. wondering about her." I thought, but he knows her, Rose, because she was from the north. Okay, so as long as he knows her and she gets the shit, and she kind of tells him because he slips her a coin. And he's got to pretend like this is his love, like this great love, in oh, front of okay. Cersei, so that Cersei doesn't realize that she doesn't have the right girl. And Ross kind of looks at him like, seriously, dude, you got to help me out. This is this is messed up. And, wow. the, and she's not saying anything. Another so he, big woman. Yeah. Yeah. So he slips her a coin and she's like, don't forget about me. And he's like, I won't. So you get the sense that he's going to try to get her out. Yeah. But obviously, she's, she walks in with a black eye and a split lip and stuff. And she's not even the girl that Cersei's really after. It seems like he does have some kind of a moral compass. Yeah, yeah. So then we see Rob Stark going on about Theon Greyjoy and how he's... Was he at one time his best friend? Didn't he? Yeah, they kind of grew up together because they're close in age. And, and he says he needs to be hunted down. Yeah. So Rob gives uh, Guy Roose Bolton permission to tell his bastard to go retake Winterfell. And he says, tell the men of the Iron Islands if they surrender, they'll go back home with the exception of Theon Greyjoy. He wants to remove his head. Yeah, he says he's committed treason and betrayed my family. He's going to die. And then we see Rob again with the nurse, and he wants to definitely play doctor with the nurse. I mean, it's... Talisa, yeah. yeah. They, they they bang. Hello, oh. nurse. <laughs> <laughs> they, they get into it. Cough. Turn your head and cough. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they went on this long, and I even said to Jane, stop it for a second. I was wondering, what is this adding to the... Any level, any layer of romance, my dad's like, turn his shit off. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying, well, I didn't know what... After all the Saxon violins, as Uncle Rich says, I, I don't know when there's a half semi-normal scene what the <laughs> purpose is, you know? Yeah, she talks about kind of what made... It was kind of giving her backstory yeah, and showing goes, their budding romance. Like, she... Talks about why she became a nurse instead of a little lady. and Her brother and what happened yeah. to him. And the next thing you know, they're derobing. And they're banging. Yeah. Stano, but they get inside of one another in record time, I've noticed. I don't <laughs> well, know they have to, like, undo, they have to untie <laughs> yeah. all the... He's got, like, a leather jerkin on it. She's got... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she winds up jerking him, so yeah. it's perfect. <laughs> then we see it's Stano's... Jerkin, <laughs> <laughs> Stanos and Davos. 
I always like those two together. That sounds like some kind of a magic act. <laughs> they're going to attack Tyrion in King's Landing, and then we had seen the way they're preparing for the... Well, what was the term you used? Siege. The siege, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Davos, is it? Explains why... Yeah, we learn why Davos has been raised up from being a lowly smuggler to kind of like the, the crab right man, man. He calls him, yeah. Yeah, the Onion Knight. They call him Onion. It, yeah, the Onion Knight. So we learn that essentially during the rebellion, way back, that Ned Stark and Robert Baratheon helped overthrow Aerys Targaryen. Khaleesi is a Baratheon, right? No, she's a Targaryen. Oh, okay, okay. So they overthrew her father. All the backstory gets super... Jesus. Yeah. It sure does. Um, but basically, Stannis was helping his brother Robert and Ned in their rebellion. And he held Storm's End, which is the Baratheon familial stronghold. He held that castle against the siege that was like 500 days. And he says, uh, you know, first we ate the cats. I never liked cats. And then he goes, then we ate the dogs, like dogs, good good animals then he goes then we ate the rats so he basically says like through all of this he never they never surrendered to the siege and uh davos as a lowly smuggler was able to somehow get through the lines the siege lines and deliver food yep. to veggies and stuff right a lot of and among that was onions and the name stuck so oh. he became known as the onion knight and what's funny is uh davos is missing like three fingers from one hand, and that's because smuggling is illegal. So Stannis, even though he saved their lives, Stannis took his fingers because he he broke the law. Oh, so that gives you an idea of Stannis's strange, like yeah, absolute moral code. yes, like absolute rigid moral code where it was like, thanks for saving my life. And also, we need to take your fingers. Yeah, other than that. Rules are but rules. Davos, I don't make the rules. Him. Yeah, <laughs> check the books. I can't read. I don't know. Just look. <laughs> don't kill the messenger here. Uh, but they're like buddies now. You could, there's mutual respect there. Yes, that scene did. And they're uh, they're gearing up for this big siege and right. attack. Right, and, and then we see Joffrey, and the Master of Whispers, and and also Tyrion, and, it, and he's. His contempt for Joffrey. And why is that? He's almost, in effect, his uncle, right? Yeah, he is his uncle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even though the. the He's his uncle, too, but like (laughs) Uncle Square. Yeah, yeah. But he says, oh, you'll have a lot of guys following you. He's almost so sarcastic. Messing with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I think he knows Joffrey's stupid. Oh, he doesn't catch on that. He's an idiot. And he's he knows he's psychopathic. Like, does he think he's a good warrior? This Joffrey? No, no, no. Oh, oh, Joffrey probably does himself because yeah. he's like a spoiled. I'll brat. give him a red. Uh, what do you say? Something? Yeah, yeah. He's got like this really corny. <laughs> he's like stroking his sword and going, "I'll give him a red ear or something." He says know. something like, uh, "Stannis is smiling now. Well, I'm going to give him a real smile, a red, a red, a red smile, smile yeah. from ear to ear." And he like, like pulls his Joker, sword almost like yeah. Joker. That's when, the um, Jack Nicholson. The Glasgow smile. Yes, he's going to give him the Glasgow smile. And so, then, so the siege, I was trying to watch what they were doing in anticipation. Of they were getting the walls ready. What they would do is they would like dump hot oil, boiling oil. So if anybody was trying to climb trying up. Trying to climb up. And big rocks, they would drop off the walls. And 
they're basically preparing for war with Stannis. But Tyrion and Varys have an interesting conversation. I always liked this. I remember watching this episode uh, a long time ago when it came out. I always liked this exchange because they first talk to each other. Both of these characters, you could tell, are really smart. Yeah. And both of them have agendas. They don't trust each other. Now, Varys. He's the wisp. The oh, spite, okay, okay. Yep. The creepy yeah, they're both, pedophile, you keep saying. Yeah, they're both equally um, <laughs> cunning, I think. Is yeah, the yeah. And but they so they kind of have a frank discussion. They say Tyrion's like I like to think of myself as an intelligent man, and Varys says, "Yeah, I think you are." And he says, "I like to think of myself as an honest man when it serves me." And Varys says, "Yeah, I think you are." And he says, "Can we have a? Can we talk as two honest, intelligent men?" Like he's kind of saying, "Can we put aside the bullshit for a second and actually talk about how we're going to help protect the city?" So they talk a little bit about the siege, and then. Um, and kind of like almost as an afterthought. Oh, well, Varys says to Tyrion, you're, you're a good hand of the king. He says, you like the game and you're good at the game. He says, John Aaron and Ned Stark, the previous hands of the king, he says, they were good men, but they weren't good at the game. They couldn't do it. Because they were can. too loyal, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says, you're good for the city. And Tyrion says, well, you know, I never has this whole thing. Like, I never expected to be in a position of power, but I'm ready to serve the city. Whatever. Yada, yada. And then almost in passing at the end of this, and I always love this part, Varys says, he always talks about his little birds. I've heard from my little birds across the sea that Daenerys Targaryen survived the assassination attempt and now has three dragons. So this is the first time anyone in Westeros is hearing about her dragons. Oh, okay. So Tyrion kind of, and Tyrion kind of dismisses it initially and says, "Oh, she's a girl. She's half a world away with three baby dragons." And Varys kind of smiles and says, "Like, yeah, and it'll be years before they're grown." Yeah. And Tyrion says, "One game at a time, my friend. Right. One game at a time." So it's almost like this weird foreshadowing because it's like. This thing is out there. We know this is a problem. Eventually, we'll become one. Because T- Varys is like, but then three grown dragons, there's nowhere to hide. So it's like this weird foreshadowing. That's If they were to see that Fios commercial. Would... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My Rick, dad got spoiled that by was a spoiler alert. Fios. She's spoiler. flying around on them big ass Wait, dragons. come on. That's spoiler. So, so <laughs> we see... Yeah, we then see... And I got to figure out how to write this guy's name. Jorah the Andal? Yeah, they call, his name's Jorah. But the Andal meaning A-N-D-A-L-L? Yeah, A-N-D-A-L. Oh, oh I thought it was Andal like he, he does all things. Or no, Andal no. was a race of men from like okay. way back. There's a little bit of a thing there where she sort of cuddles his face. and Yeah, he she's, um, she's on the war path to get her dragons back. We know from the previous episode that these warlocks have taken the dragons to this temple called the House of the Undying. So Jorah says to her, if you go there, you're going to die. Nothing's worth you dying. But she's been there already, right? No. How about where the guy made himself into five different people? No, that oh, was that like wasn't? a different council, okay. yeah. But but he's at this House of the Undying. This weird temple, yeah. So Jorah says to her, basically saying, forget the dragons, Let's get out of here. You're in danger. You're going to die. And she says to him all dramatically, like, these are my, the dragons are my children. They're uh, the only children. Right. I have. She references the prophecy that the sorceress had told her. Right. They're the only children I'll ever have. Right. She says, they're, they're my, they're my children. 
I'm the mother of dragons. And he begins pitching another tank. Right? <laughs> he is he is hard. He's, <laughs> he's definitely as a diamond mode. this whole time. <laughs> but he finally basically relents and says, "All right, you'll go to the yep. temple. You'll probably die." Once but... she cupped his face in her hands, yeah, I know. She and who knows what caressed. else? She, she did like a Fredo to him. Yeah, it was you, Fredo. And then we see the Starks, the escapee Starks, who are hiding down in what James described as the crypts. Yeah, so we learned that, the, the castle. as we kind of spoiled last week, the two bodies that Theon had risen at Winterfell burned and destroyed, they were not, in fact, the two Stark boys, Bran and Rickon. They were two random farm boys that Theon lied and said he had killed the Starks. We learned that they had, in fact, doubled back after they had escaped the castle snuck back into Winterfell and are now hiding in the crypts like right under the nose of the Iron Islanders. So for now they're safe hiding away underneath the castle. And we fade to black there. And then there. we fade to black. Favorite scene? I always liked the Varys and Tyrion yeah, they, exchange. Because they... that was the first time that anyone in Westeros has heard of the dragons. But I like when um, Rob... Uh... Deflowered the young lady. Too. Yeah, she's got a great butt. <laughs> I thought he was all great. <laughs> and you'll wake up. <laughs> yeah, I'm nervous too. He says, "Yo, yo, Adrian, I'm nervous too." <laughs> but uh, yeah, that and and I think my favorite scene was also Tyrion and, and Varys. Yeah, they had a great exchange. But. This kid's moving up. And, and again, uh, Tyrion and Cersei, their scene was good. Little Finger we haven't seen. I liked how... Right, yeah, Another he hasn't my, been in it for One of my favorite like, actors for, in the whole thing. For, epi- for a few yeah. episodes. He's... I don't know what he's doing. I liked... Uh, this was just the exchange between Tyrion and Cersei. And she's like so... She's such a great actress. And she is so proud of herself in that moment. She can't... This is the problem. Like, she thinks she's real smart and slick. She thinks she can match Tyrion, and she really can't. No, no chance. She's like, she's like bubbly because she thinks that she's got Tyrion. Yeah, she's actually happy. Right. She says, I'm happy. He goes, Why are you smiling? Yeah, why are you happy? He can tell something's going on, and that puts him on edge. So he's like, What are you smiling about? And she's like, I'm happy. And she's so giddy that she thinks that she has his girlfriend. And it turns out that she doesn't even have the right girl. It's a different whore, Rick. Are you keeping up with that? <laughs> and then she goes, I like when she, and this is when she dropped the C-bomb a couple of times, but she says something to the effect of like, he he tries to play like, how do you even know? I, I don't even, you don't buy whores, you rent them is what he says. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, no, you like this one. And she's like so giddy. And she goes, there's a scene where she gives him a side eye and she goes, could it be love? Like, yeah. she's so proud of it's full of herself. And yet she's right, because he does love He does, her. but she thinks she's... got she's, the wrong person. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's not dumb, but she's uh, full of herself and can't see past her own bullshit. You mentioned they poured hot oil, right? Yes. Have we seen that, that, that being used uh, yet in battles or anything like that? No, I that don't was think so. That and, like, tar, I think, and pitch and resin... Hot, yeah, where we're used in the Middle Ages quite a bit, like har- like horrific, horrific deaths. <laughs> yeah, uh, like um, and sex too. I mean, yeah. you know, it sounds like they t- 
tar and feather. The opposite of horrific. Little oil. Much of the <laughs> Middle Ages was just pure <laughs> misery and death. <laughs> so Oliver Cromwell, the the infamous British uh, conqueror of Ireland, his his cronies they they practice practice something called pitch capping, which is they would heat pitch and put it in the cones and then stick it on the Irish people's heads. Wow. wow. Yeah. So if you see that happening, that's the uh, the origin of that. If you Crown see that happening well. in the show. Mm. <clears throat> Something to look forward to. Yeah. It really was like a period of like 600 years in human history where much, very much attention and focus was directed towards how like – horrific can we make these yeah, people's yeah. deaths like between torture devices and stuff if you ever do research into it it's pretty pretty scary <laughs> is this a hobby of yours it is scary and arousing right <laughs> into the train scene <laughs> so so we have to do something in honor of what, what day is it again did you say rick international women's day women's wow, day what can we do that? no but i i hearken back to that what was the term you guys gave it when the girl ghosted? <laughs> she ghosted me. <laughs> I don't know what day that was, but it wasn't International Dentist Day. No. Hell, God, with the candles floating in the tub and everything. Well, how about the uh, the advice column that I sent you? Oh yes, yes. You got You got to drive this one. Oh okay. The, the Irish Times was it? That's right. Yes. Perfect. Uncle, then they have some wild, wild cases <laughs> over there in the, the main Irish paper. Uh, James and I have found. And now you had sent me, is this a different paper? But remember about the one Irish uh, golf same paper. course? Same okay. paper, yeah. 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 Uh, is, it, is it the Irish Times? Is it The Irish Times, yeah. Yes, yep. yes. And now what, what? what is this? They have an advice section. So I, I follow their main account on Twitter. Uh, they're, they're a good source of like European news. And... Uh, their, their main account often tweets out stories that their individual sections do, and often it's their advice columns. And the, 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 they're pretty wild, to say the least. And when you're reading it, I imagine you're putting the, uh, the, brogue. the brogue in there. <laughs> Should I read it in the brogue? Well, get, yeah, let, let's hear. Well, the title is, uh, quote, I don't want to admit that I use my partner as a sperm donor. <laughs> I, I don't want to leave. There's a lot to unpack in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, you say, run that past me again now. I don't want to. I don't want to admit that I used my partner as a sperm donor. Okay, all right. His partner. This is. It's a woman. Sh- this sh- is a woman. Shall I okay. read it? Or? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, please. Okay. About four years ago, I returned to Ireland after living abroad for 20 years. I scaled my relatively lucrative business down and transferred it back to the village that I grew up in. My work-life balance at that stage was more focused, and I had very little experience of romance, despite an outgoing personality. Basically, I had become lonely and started to crave the type of life my parents led, being surrounded by children, neighbors, and each other. On my return, my mother soon set me up with her friend's son. He was somewhat younger, gorgeous-looking, with a great body. I also remarked that we had a lot in common in terms of work ethic and ambition. I was quite bowled over that he had wanted to continue seeing me. I know that I have never been regarded as being physically attractive and felt very lucky. I did note that he had very few friends and was quite socially awkward with my friends and being very set in his ways. When we moved in together, he became withdrawn and unsettled. He was open in telling me that as a child, 
A psychologist thought he may have Asperger's disorder and that he found all change difficult. We've tried many ways to have children and both have accepted that this is probably not going to happen. While he's polite... sounds like you. (laughs) Say again? Sounds like you. (laughs) (laughs) What? So they couldn't have children for for years, we're going to imagine. Well, well, while he is polite, I don't find his support comforting, and now I'm not sure that I'm benefiting from this relationship or lifestyle. I've been offered an incredible opportunity to return to my life abroad, but I don't think I want him with me, whatever decision, whatever my decision is. Mm. I don't want to admit that I used him as a sperm donor of sorts, and I know he is very dependent on me. (laughs) And that's where the conundrum ends. And she's asking for... Wait, uh, so she got knocked up, but she has no... Ex- no, they didn't have any. Yeah, it's unclear. Like, I, she says, yeah, they weren't really able to. Uh, She's saying a sperm donor, even though nothing took, she was using him mainly to, uh, see, yeah, to see if she could have a child. And for whatever reason, they never did become prego or whatever. They, they should go to that other website. And now she's ready <laughs> to leave. <laughs> and prego. Asperger prego. I was going to say autism. <laughs> so she, yeah, now she's feeling I didn't bad know if about that. Was a slide whistle or not? It's a big time slide whistle. <laughs> I she... think saying it's a slide whistle is a slide whistle. <laughs> I heard a saying the other day, speaking of autism, about on the spectrum. Yes. Like, now, what, what are they when they say that, Rick? So Asperger's is. <laughs> why do you immediately go to me? No, Asperger's is. Uh, <laughs> Asperger's is considered a mild form of autism, so you you can like, uh, you know, extreme Asperger's or excuse me, extreme autism. The person may be almost completely non-communicative. You know, like they can't even uh, speak or, or relate to people. Uh, completely withdrawn, and that's one end of the spectrum. And then all the, there's there's gradations of it all the way down to oh, okay. Asperger's. Okay. And Asperger's a person may be able to. Function pretty normally in society, uh, just maybe have certain personality quirks that might express themselves. Um, you know, uh, oh, all right, so that's what the spectrum means. There's, um, I mentioned this guy before, Louis Thoreau from the BBC. He makes, he's done like all these different documentaries. I, he's an excellent, excellent documentarian, but he has one uh, about autism, mostly about the parents. And like what the parents go through, yeah, and it's fa- it's fascinating. Yeah, it's called. You can get it online. There's a there's a site called apparently Documentary Vine, uh, and it was on Netflix for a while. But it's called Louis Thoreau Extreme Love Autism, and he comes to America to do it. In fact, one of the couples is from New Jersey, and it's it's crazy what these people have like you know the, what the, the, what their lives are yeah like. how, the parents how difficult it can be yeah. 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 Well, such and as what the kids do, go through. Do you remember just any, like uh, behavioral stuff? If where they're the, out somewhere, and the kid will just start like have yeah, a meltdown, yeah. start screaming. It's wild. Oh yeah. And they'll show like one one of them's like a single mother who probably weighs like a hundred pounds, and the kid is a like, kid. yeah, he's like you know six foot. He might yep. be fifteen or something, and they just can't. The kids can't handle it like emotionally. So so, how do we get on that? You, yeah yeah. <laughs> I mean I I think. That might have been oh because the guy had Asperger's right. That yeah, might right. have been like a community service kind of moment for us right there, because now we got to help this girl out. Yeah, what's she worried about? They're well, not she, married. They're uh, not, is that right? They don't say they're married. She didn't say at all in there that they're married. I think they just moved in. The I think they're just yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure he didn't mind donating a wealth of sperm. <laughs> 
Because he doesn't sound like he had a lot of choices otherwise. (laughs) And um, so she's just got to go and she's got to put her big girl pants on and tell him I'm going to go pursue this thing. And what's he going to do? I mean, I don't think she needs to be. I think it's it's adding an unnecessary level of an unnecessary level of cruelty to tell him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's no you don't have to go into the whole sperm thing. No. Right. I had a good time. You had a good time. We're at crossroads, and I got this opportunity, so I got to go. And if she says it to with a with a nice Irish brogue, I mean, what <laughs> you know? There's nothing bad about that. She might have lost it at 20 years abroad. And when she was screaming out, I wonder who was in the brogue. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, they, they only lose it when they're having. <laughs> yeah, they didn't say their ages either, right? Uh, she's older, uh, but I don't think they mentioned. Because you know, I mean, if they're anything under forty, they got they got a whole lifetime in front of them. I'd say tell her, just tell the guy straight out. Honesty is always the best policy. I would imagine she's over forty because she's been out. She's been abroad for twenty years. She's uh, been abroad for a whole life. Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somewhat younger. He's somewhat younger. Okay. He's 14. (laughs) (laughs) Does the fact that he is Asperger's, I don't even think that should come into it. No. She's just, no, well, she does bring it into it in that when they move in together, he became withdrawn and and she wasn't having a good time anymore, I think, as a result. Hmm. And at that point, she basically, the relationship basically became a hollowed husk where she was just trying to use him as a stud. Uh, and I wonder what was her business that she scaled down all was she still doing well? Well, it says she had a good opportunity, right, to go back or whatever. Yeah. Right. And now she'd like to go abroad again. They don't say where abroad, right? They do not. Yeah, she's got to just – she has to man up and say – here on this International Womanhood Day, she's got to man up and say, I got to go pursue this opportunity and – she should tell him that she got a preg and then flushed it, and she's leaving his ass. And preg or a Are there others in this Irish Times? Other? Uh, yeah, there is some wild ones. Um, let's see. Well, here's yeah. I guess here's one that's exclusive to women. Okay, I am being phased out of my co-parenting role with my lesbian partner. I've been in a relationship with my lesbian partner for more than five years. Early on in the relationship, we decided that we wanted to have a family, and I went through several rounds of IUI, which is intrauterine insemination, and then IVF, in vitro fertilization, at a fertility clinic, all of which were unsuccessful. My partner then decided that she would undergo IUI, and on the first cycle was successful. We were both very excited and started to make plans for our family. We'd always agreed that we would take a two-mum it's written as M-U-M. Two mum approach to parenting. I work full time and my partner is a freelance worker. So when our beautiful baby boy was born, she took off work to look at, after him. And I took on extra overtime to ensure that we were financially secure. It quickly became apparent that my partner viewed shared parenting differently with, from me. She makes all the decisions about the child without consulting me. I've, I've started to feel like the third wheel in the family and feel very lonely and isolated. She has now decided that she doesn't want to take on any work until he goes to school. This will mean that I have to take on a lot of extra work to pay mortgage and all of the bills. This is not what we had agreed, and it is certainly not how I had seen things working out. My friend thinks I should just get on with it and accept my role as the main breadwinner. I'm anxious that, now that I have got the family I so wanted, I am being phased out of it. Mm. And she's discussed none of this with her? 
Uh, they don't. They don't say anything about them discussing, which you would think. Well, come on. Why don't you clue her in on the way you feel? Jeez. Yeah, it sounds one-sided. Yeah, yeah. And until she does that, she's not going to know anything. But she's telling us, telling the Irish Times, and not even the person that. <laughs> Do you think like the partner might be reading the newspaper? Like <laughs> really? <laughs> it's a pretty you specific. So. <laughs> All of these are very specific <laughs> yeah. cases, you know. Like you know, I was reading the, the paper this morning, sweetheart. Sound and, uh... awful like like me. But geez, I mean, you got to open up and tell this person that you're closest to. I wonder how old the, the child is now. I pictured this curly, red-haired, <laughs> but I, I wonder how old the child is. And she's saying, like, she feels like, it sounds like she's saying that she feels even cut out from him, too. It is a boy, I think. The boy, yeah, it's a baby boy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean. I guess, like, is it, is that, what is that, IUI, intrauterine insemination? So, I'm guessing that means. That's when they just punch it in there. <laughs> no, I think that's the IVF, right? I, I don't oh, know. <laughs> what well, <laughs> is there IVF one where is, it's very expensive, right? Maybe over in Ireland it's cheaper. They are expensive right? here. Yeah, I know it's it's yeah. in the order of tens of thousands. Ten grand, of yeah. yeah. In Ireland, you can get it for two euros and a jag. <laughs> but the church thinks it's a sin, darling. No, uh, they. I I don't know. Like, are they? I guess it's a question. Are they using their own DNA? Like, is it one mother's DNA, and does that cause? Some kind of disconnection from the other parent. Oh, in the kid's mind, you mean? Well, no, from, like, this IUI, I don't know if it's, like, a donor egg and and a donor sperm. Because then you could say, well, you know, there's no, the only biological collection is the birth. But if it's a person's DNA, then one, you know, if it's this mother's DNA, she could say, I'm developing a bond with a child and I'm cutting you out, you know, because you have no direct biological bond with it. Is she is she jealous just because the kid has a closer connection to the other? Right. You know, so that could be in a part of it too. But till she explains it and tries to sit down and have a, I have <laughs> a hot, I have a hot take. Man. I don't, I don't know, and I, you know, I, I can't speak to homosexual couples what what the rules and or what how difficult it is in Ireland to adopt a child because I know in America it can be difficult, difficult to. I don't understand, like, why you would spit. This is, again, this is a hot take, and I freely admit that. I don't understand why you would go through all that money and spend all that trouble to get pregnant when there are so many kids in need of adoption around the world. Like, it seems a little selfish to me. I don't know. But we need, like, an alarm. <laughs> Five alarm hot take. <laughs> Adop- yeah, yeah. Adopt, don't shop. And, and say they you. They say it about dogs. Right. I believe it. Yeah. And say what with, like, Angelina Jolie, didn't she? There were the people that go, she goes over there and adopts these kids, and there's plenty of kids here that need adoption. Yeah, that's a horrific thing to say. That's a ridiculous yeah, like, thing. I said, well, yeah. <laughs> that's a really horrific thing to say. And she's doing a wonderful thing, no matter how you slice it, and yet you're making it. As if somehow the children not born in American borders are lesser. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> How could you make a bad thing out of that? She's trying to help somebody no matter what. Just like the, the whole adoption thing. Those people the... are probably racist. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I had to tell them. I, I didn't. I try not to view anything like I think they just have a different way of thinking. But I go, how could you make that 
bad in any way. It's like the stars that give these huge amounts of money to things, and then they go, yeah, well, they got it. Well, yeah, but they're giving it. I mean, don't take a bad thing and make it into a, I mean, a good thing and make it into a horrible thing. There's no way you can do that. But th- this girl, though, what what's, you can't, I mean, you can't go back on that because you already have this kid. But right. obviously the girl, the partner, has to talk to her partner about it, not the, the uh, Irish Times. Or speaking of adoption, you could give the kid up. <laughs> Just start over. <laughs> right. <laughs> IUI, yeah, Miller IUI. IOU, IUI. That sounds like a song somewhere. IUI. IUI. <laughs> yeah, talk to your partner. Let's be friends, right? <laughs> How about a, a much older man made a drunken pass at me at a work event? <laughs> oh, wow. Like that's yeah, that's shocking. <laughs> I made a complaint about something that happened at work on a night out, and now I feel completely ostracized. I have been there five years, and we were a close bunch of colleagues working together. A man much older than me, but who doesn't work in my office, made a drunken pass at me at a work event. I felt it was well handled by my boss and manager. Is there a distinction? My boss and manager? Anyway, and that made me feel better about what happened. But the atmosphere at work has completely changed in a way that's hard to describe. It's more a feeling than anything being said or done. Each day I go into work, I feel more and more uncomfortable, and I am getting to the point that I almost feel the need to leave and seek work elsewhere. I am doing an appraisal with my boss later this month, and I am dreading it. I've ended up feeling that I have done something terribly wrong, though I know I haven't. But I don't know how to put things back to how they were, feeling comfortable in my workplace. And you wonder how much of this is our own imagination. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Not the not the night of, right? But I wonder if now she might be just thinking that everyone she might be. Yeah. Feeling. She like he could say, "You want to go get some lunch?" And somebody says, "No, I, I got some work to do, and I'm going to eat a sandwich at my desk." And she takes it to me. Yeah, oh, see. Nobody else might not even know, right? Right. This guy hit on her, but he didn't work. She said, in my office. Well, I wonder what she means. Like, in my office, meaning in the same company? or In the same building, uh, I With guess. all the cubicles yeah. and all? Yeah, same company, but not the... And uh, I wonder how, how old was he, like 93? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder... She doesn't really say how, why or how she feels ostracized, right? Yeah, it could just be residual feelings from... Uh, I think she's... I think she's going to have her appraisal with her boss and feel better. I think she'll realize it's just in her head. She's a drama queen. <laughs> that's, 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 when I read, when you read that, that's all I could think of. She said, like, everything that comes up, she goes, oh, see, they do hate me. Come on, get over it. The guy made a pass out of you. <laughs> this is really in the spirit of international women's day. <laughs> this is what we needed on women's day. <laughs> And this is why I would like to sometimes have these people here so you could follow up and just badger the hell out of them. We could neg them. I meant more like it's a natural response to having reported a dis- indiscretion to w- your management. To feel I think as it's a though, natural, yeah, I yeah. think it's a natural response to then feel like, oh, wait, should I have done that? Oh, or, and she, we're, to, we're talking now this whole sexual harassment thing. And is that what she's getting into? She reported this guy for he's sexually harassed. Well, he's being inappropriate. Oh, but I'm saying it's natural to after you report something like that to then maybe feel like everything that happens. You're thinking, oh, see, yeah, or you just feel uncomfortable, like shit. Maybe I shouldn't have. 
It's horrific, but it's the truth. Like, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Maybe it's going to mess things and up. And we don't know what happened. If he said, boy, you look great in that dress, or can you show no. me your tits? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was probably somewhere in between. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know more. I'd like to know more. <laughs> slow. It's in slow motion. <laughs> Tell me slow. <laughs> Tell me slow. Can you put on a dress and do a higher voice while you're talking? I, I, you know that Tell Me Slow, Rick. Do you remember what that comes from? It comes from the movie, and I maintain it's like the funniest three quarters of a movie, the, the change up. Starring <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Hey, motherfucker! <laughs> Bateman. Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. The first, like, 60 to 70% of that movie is phenomenal. Yeah, it was very clever for some of it, yeah. Seemed like when they drug out the story, it was... But Yeah, at the end, it gets to be garbage. They, they got struck by lightning when they were peeing in the Yeah, thing. they, yeah, like, yeah. switch bodies. Yeah. I The first time I saw it, I was on a heavy dosage of pain medication, and I was... Like tears streaming down my face, crying. Was that the wisdom teeth? Yeah. yeah, or it might have been the. No, it was the. Yet. Yeah, the hurry. So, so yeah, and the girl who was in there, the date, who was that? By the way, is she still? I mean, like really hot. I don't remember. <laughs> remember, it was the one at work or something. He, well, the one he calls her like Valentina or something, and he goes, "What's her last name?" He's like Valentina. One Stavuxki, I don't know. What the, <laughs> fuck do, what the fuck do I care? But the one that he met out. and they were Was it Olivia dinner. Wilde? Oh, maybe it was. Boy, I don't know. She looked great in that compared to... We're getting off the track. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, yeah, we're really doing well with... Yeah, it stuff. was it, it was Olivia Wilde. Are we on the girl that never told her partner? No, we've, we've advanced by the way. This is the girl that, w- that, that didn't she talk was, to her uh, partner. A guy made a pass at her, and now she oh, might yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's one. I think she's gonna. I think she's gonna have her appraisal. This is what's stressing her out, and then she's gonna realize the boss isn't even thinking of it. There's no repercussions, right? Have now. you ever heard it called an appraisal here? Do you call, call it that where you work? No. Not, review, yeah, it's a maybe? review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's or like a house appraisal. I heard. Yeah, <laughs> Vicky appraisal she built like a house appraisal. These are Irish women, correct? Yes. Are yes. The, okay. Here's a juicy one. I I am seeing a nice family man, parenthetically, who is cheating on his wife. <laughs> I am recently separated. I am also dealing with an awful lot. We have two kids and they are still young. The marriage was never good. We should not have married except it happened due to family pressures. His mother more so than anything telling him to marry me. Ooh, man. Just get the shots fired. Hindsight is a great thing, but I should never have married. He was not the type of man I was ever into. We you should have never had two kids. Right. We both yeah. have interest in sports, so that kept us interested. Without going into too much, things got very bad between us. Name calling, he was never there, and so on. Then two years ago, I met a guy, and we've been in touch since, and started getting physical 15 months ago. He is married with three kids and likes to give me the impression all is perfect, which is fine by me. He doesn't know I'm recently separated for two reasons, in the event he would run away or he could start wanting more on his terms. We are arguing a lot lately. My, I'm jealous of his wife, and sometimes he doesn't treat me properly, even though he likes to deny that. I'm finding second best very hard. He dislikes me, and when I try to pull away, he is on to me. 
He can clearly lead this double life, and I doubt he is emotionally attached to me, and I don't know if any man is, to be honest. Ooh. Low self-esteem. He is a gentleman, and he was the reason why I decided to leave my husband. Not because I ever thought we would be together, but because the way he treats me when we were together, and the way he treats his wife sounds so much better than when, than the way my husband carried on. This guy's a family man, albeit cheating on his wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my yeah, husband yeah. was selfish and looked after himself. It's not really a question, though. <laughs> no. The cognitive dissonance, though, is staggering. Oh, she, she, this is very discursively written. It's like they almost didn't edit it. Like, there's not even correct punctuation in it. It's pretty wild. It's like, uh, what's the 1984? We, we were at war with Eurasia. We've always been at war with Eurasia. We were at war with Oceania. We've always been at war. Uh, but I think the low self-esteem, what, what did she say? No one loves me or something? He can clearly lead this double life, and I doubt he is emotionally attached to me, and I don't know if any man is, to be honest. Yeah, yeah that's there, the, there it That is should have right been there. the first sentence. Boom. She took a giant red flag and sh- just planted it right there. <laughs> Ran it up the mast. <laughs> Work on yourself, sweetheart. <laughs> you giving me a heart, huh? <laughs> You better watch your fucking <laughs> Yeah, she's too messed up. Yeah. She's, she's all too, over the place. Yeah. Yeah. She's she, too, she got into this mess and now she's got to find a way out. Cause she doesn't make very good decisions, I'm, I'm gathering from mm. reading this. No, I mean, come on. She, she sounds like she had no idea. She was in this fairy tale kind of thing where he's really nuts about me. And I mean, all this guy's doing is moonlighting. Yeah, he's just using it as a little fling. That's it. She's deriving all this self-worth from it, and she's going to be left cold, broken-hearted, singing in the rain. I wish we knew what she did for a living, because she could pour herself into her work and just tell them, that's enough. She's a street whore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we say that with all due respect. (laughs) There's no names on these, is there? Um... So what is the uh, Irish Times? They just post these, like, they must just print these problems? Well, they don't, this they don't, says Trish Murphy. Oh, no, I guess Trish Murphy's the one who runs the column. No, okay. Right, yeah. But she never responds? Yeah, she doesn't answer? Or? She does. Uh, she didn't answer to this one, curiously. But maybe because she just thought you're... Oh, no, wait. Yeah, she did. There it is. It's, there's just a bunch of ads. It's time to put what'd she, all... What'd she tell the two lovers? The, the you know, Yeah, the... let's see how we've done. How we've stacked up. Which one do you want to want to dig into? Like the IUV girls. She said, what you are experiencing is what many couples go through when their first child is born. One person takes on the caretaking role and the other takes on the burden of providing. While this is divided usually along gender lines and heterosexual relationships, you are in the position of having this role foisted on you without your consent or agreement. As you were the one who originally designated to become pregnant, It seems that you had the expectations of motherhood that might have included carrying and delivering the baby and thus perhaps taken on more of a bonding role. The wonderful thing is that your partner successfully got pregnant and now you have the family that you so wanted. It might be that your partner had not expected to feel so strongly about mothering and is now so enamored with the experience she is unaware that she is somewhat excluding you from the circle of care. However, if this is to be be a successful family, all members need... All members' needs have to be catered for, and one of the core elements of a successful relationship is fairness. If we feel that there is unfairness or injustice in our relationship, it seeps into every part of our lives, and we become resentful and bitter over time. 
Fairness does not mean 50-50, but it does mean that if one person sacrifices for the family at one point in the relationship, then at a later stage the other person's needs take precedence. We can take we can put up with unequal positions for a time if we feel appreciated for it and our sacrifices understood. Your first step is to seek and indeed require robust discussion on the needs of all members of the family and what principles underlie your lives together. She goes on for quite a while, but uh so she, oh, Christ, Trish, we got shit to yeah, do. Yeah, she's more, she, but she's obviously like a therapist or something. Uh, I don't know what Trish Murphy, Trish Murphy's uh, credentials are. Let's find out. She is, isn't it better to just say to the person like we say, knock off the bullshit and just. Yeah. Trish has got a word count. To yeah, I don't know all that flowery <laughs> crap. And that does word anybody count is any good? Approximately the same as the portrait of the artist as a young man. You don't get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the cow going moo in my early years. Uh, <laughs> Trish Trish Murphy is a psychotherapist. Jeez, mm. are handing them handing out degrees like candy in ours these days. <laughs> yeah, they do. It it is a quicker deal, right? Remember when we were over and. It seems like they can. I think they go earlier. Like they, you can start university at like sixteen. Her special area of interest is psychosexual therapy. Whoa! Mm, there you go. That's what they call me, st- the psychosexual. That's it. Can can I stay after class? I got a lovelorn, just one, but I don't know. This, this isn't get, from Irish Times. No. Okay. This could get too um, hot. Hot button. Is it, is it women? Yeah. Okay, good, good, because it's International Women's Day. 30-year-old female. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend is 28. <clears throat> How do I navigate chivalry versus feminism with my boyfriend? Says, it's sad that it's taken me this long to figure this sort of thing out, but what is the proper protocol for chivalry in relationships? I like to consider myself a feminist in some aspects, but I still believe chivalry exists in some form. For example, if he mentions a show or a concert and asks me if I'd like to go, should I assume that I'm paying my way, parentheses, which I have no problem with, or that he has acquired tickets for both of us? Is there a smooth way to ask him this without seeming like I expect him to pay, which I don't? What's the smoothest way to approach who pays for what with my boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what it's not. It's not posted on Reddit. So, this is more of this is mindless <laughs> So she can't balance the fact that she wants a free meal with the fact that she wants to be a feminist is basically right. what it is, right? How about asking the guy? Yeah. Communication. Jeez, would that be easy enough? It's amazing how many of these issues we've had across so many different, vast spectrum of different topics. Across the ocean. Yeah, and they all can be solved with it. Just talk to the Just person. ask the person. <laughs> One what about that... you, Rick, and your partner? What about, what? How what do, do you, you approach splitting like a meal? Half and half. I mean, it usually works out, though, right? It's not any of this clumsy, oh, is that yeah, you Yeah, no, all? she makes it weird. <laughs> maybe if because they've maybe if you've just started oh well she says we've been dating for a month but i've known him for four years so maybe at the very beginning it could be weird not not if you say is this on me or you yeah we go half and half and and uh occasionally one of us treats but i'm pretty sure it all works out in the end that's pretty much what yeah me and, Rach do. and and i can remember one family event i was at where a certain particular young lady, when she heard that I drive all the time, said, 
well, I can't let Pat drive all the time because the girls will think I'm not capable. And I go, wait a minute. <laughs> They're like, what are they, five and two? You think they really read that into there? But I guess that's a real issue. But I, I, I says, I don't know. I think you're thinking a little too much into that. Yeah, my, but, uh, my significant other hates driving personally. And, and right. I, I, I was thinking. So from- do you drive? All the time. Now, for the most part, isn't that what you're doing? You're sort of thinking it as doing the other person a favor. Yeah, I don't yeah. mind. Dri- I enjoy driving, and, and exactly. she hates it, so it's it's not really that. There's not a lot to the equation, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now, your dad would he drive most just out of habit? Does he get behind the driver's wheel when you're? Yeah, he always does. He always does. But uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I think from our generation, that was a natural thing. And you saw that growing up. You didn't put any extra meat into it, but you thought, okay, and you get behind the wheel. That's it was a little weird when he made her get in the trunk all the time, tied up. Yeah. <laughs> if you keep talking, I'm going to put you in the trunk. I wonder if statistically women uh, have a great, a stronger dislike for driving. What do you think? I would say yes. It Probably. has to do with the humors of the uterus, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> or the feeble minds. Like. <laughs> the different brain convolutions of the, <laughs> the feminine brain. I would bet you, I, I'd be willing to bet that if you pulled... Yeah, I bet. Yep. Women. They, they say, I have no problem with it. Just like you just said, Rick. Are you kidding? I, I'd rather you drive. Yeah. I never thought of it as a power struggle or... I mean, never ever did I put that into it. I if can't she, wait until we got the robots driving us. I'm <laughs> counting down the days. Are they going to be female or male robots? Sexless. Whatever you want that day. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a Tuesday? Did you ever see AI? What's that? Did you ever see AI, That like abortion of a movie? That- uh... I think we watched it when I when it first came out, which I would have been a kid. The ro- Gigolo Joe, the robot. <laughs> I thought you meant Alan Iverson. I <laughs> no, it was like a film that Kubrick started and then died, and then Spielberg finished Spielberg, it. Yeah, and it just makes it's, no what, goddamn it, sense. Uh, it was the kid from um, Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. Uh, maybe he sees dead six sense. I see dead people. Yeah, wasn't him? No, uh, I can't remember. Where did he get to? I mixed he got him up fat. With he was on uh, Always Sunny. He was in a he was in a Kevin Smith movie recently. He, I, I I mix him up with the kid that did the yeah they look alike. Yeah, Macaulay yeah. Culkin. It was Haley Joel Osment. You're right. He was like one of those freak kids, like where you're there. Wow, this kid's not in... Haley Joel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not I a... think he's like kind of well adjusted now. He seems like he's got a good sense of humor. I mean, he he was on Always Sunny. He played like Mac. And always yeah, yeah. In like a flashback or something. Always Sunny, that kid's going to be in a movie that I just saw a trailer for. Which Coming one? Up, oh, uh, really? Like a, a suspense movie or the, something. The guy from Moya Mensing or the, the other, one of the, the others? The kid, the dark-haired kid that was in Horrible Bosses. Charlie. Oh, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, he's in a lot so, of stuff now. Yeah, he's getting gigs. Good for him, man. Um, no, but, but, but back what we were saying. If if my significant other said, "Hey, geez, I'd really like to drive. I enjoy it. I I would certainly sit." And- of course, <laughs> you would acquiesce in a minute. Go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes in the middle of me driving, I'm like, I hate this. I take my hands off the wheel. Yeah, now. That's a good if way. You don't to- take over. I'm going to drive directly. Nip off it the in the bud. 
like old Barney Fife used to say, nip it in the bud. Yeah, I don't see where that should be any kind of an issue. I uh, think we did good for International Women's International Day. International Women, because we did get over the other side of the pond. We've only then, offended like 80% of the women listening. <laughs> but, but Probably not if you include people with Asperger's. <laughs> uh, well, we don't want that. I go back anyway. to the psychotherapist babble that she did. Isn't it better when we just say, come on, talk to the other person. She yeah. goes into these yeah. flowery paragraphs and just like, um, who was our guest? Bobby Ketch. Bobby Ketch has a way of just cutting <laughs> all through that, That's cut normal. right through that bullshit. <laughs> Except for his, I, I we talked about it last week, but the one pearl of wisdom that he gave that completely <laughs> stupefied we all of us. Yeah. <laughs> everyone, I haven't re-listened to the episode, but I, what I remember from the recording is that everyone kind of pause to see if there was a, it was like we were waiting for the punchline but it, the earnestness was so it was bizarro touching. world yeah. that may have the been the painkillers talking i don't know yeah the bizarro world in the old yeah, superman comic oh on the painkillers he should watch the change job it'll change his life <laughs> and he should watch uh, what you were watching he may time. already have on it may be on youtube but he yeah, found it yeah. oh, oh is that, dark yeah, corner yeah. of the internet what's that rick he may have found it in some dark corner of the internet that he yeah uh, like on but the train. it's like overdubbed with Japanese hentai <laughs> audio or something and he he's completely fluent now. <laughs> oh, he got the whole... maybe he watched it on one of his train rides. <laughs> oh, I watched the Japanese movie the other night. That was one of the strangest and most dark movies I've ever watched. It was called Battle Royale. Monsters? You ever hear this? Bo- Which Pokemon Monster? movie is that? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the sixth one. <laughs> Pikachu evolved. Uh, it was it was essentially <clears throat> when the Hunger Games, which is like a young young uh, adult book series that became movies. When that became popular, they said that it had ripped off this Battle Royale, which is a movie from 2000 in Japan. Oh. It was like uh, this... Is like after a dystopian depression in Japan. <laughs> Whatever. I'm saying it in Japanese. <laughs> uh, they started essentially doing this thing where once a year they would like kidnap a high school class and stick them on this deserted island. And everyone gets a bag with a weapon in it. <clears throat> and they all have to, the last person surviving wins, like can walk and go home. And like within the first 20 minutes of the movie, People have been, like, electrocuted to death, stabbed to death, shot to death. Uh, one guy's head gets exploded by a bomb on his neck. Do, do you pick your weapon? Or is no, it... they give no, you a okay. bag and they say... Like, some so it's like Lord like... of the Flies, but just with yes. deadly yeah. weapons. Uh, some people will get, like, a gun. Some people... One girl had, like, a stun gun. Then you could get, like a, like, a nunchuck or something. Fascinating movie. Highly recommended. For anyone out there. It's on Netflix. Oh, okay. So you don't have to pay to see it. Mm. But the international women, do you think they're okay with our I think so. <laughs> I think if there's the, any authority. The driving like, dilemma hey, is us. interesting now. The driving I don't think dilemma. So. And Rick, the way you said it, I think is probably more times than not where if a guy said, if it makes you feel better, you, you drive. I, I would think most women are going to go, that's all right. I'd rather you go right ahead. 
What are other ways we show our chauvinistic ways that maybe we're not even aware of? And when I say we, I mean our generation. Or that may otherwise be have good intentions, I suppose. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, the door holding, I don't think a lot of them like. Implying that you that they can't open a door. Well, sometimes that goes with people that are... Um, and wait, I got to say that properly... Disabled? Politically correct. Is disabled? Is that okay I to say? I don't think disabled. No, I don't think that's going to cut it. I mean, I have held the we door. Better, we better edit that out, Rick, my good bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Where they? Yeah, but that I can understand in a, in a sense. I mean, I would never be rude to anyone holding the door for me, but you can at least like, yeah, that sucks. I get it, dude. Now, <laughs> shut up. How was that? You shut up about it. <laughs> I will say that I hold the door for anyone, regardless of. Gender or age. Race, color, cream, and I, wheelchair. I, and very few things get me angrier than if they don't say thank you. I don't hold it for the Dutch. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> now, I cleared the roof of my neighbor's van. He could very well say, you don't have to do that. I can take care of that. But how could he ever? James, you see how high that is. And Yeah, that's true. Somebody could misinterpret that and go, well, that ain't right. But he actually is very thankful all the time. Yeah. And I, you know, when you're doing stuff to help with I've never driving. encountered this strange disabled person who is like angry for holding the door. How about the Larry David moment I had that I told you about a couple of weeks ago? I held a guy pull up next to the South Philly pretzel place. I was going in to get some of those little nuggets. The Ooh. guy was got struggling to get out of his car, I noticed. I went to the door. It was an ungodly cold day. I held the door for an uncomfortable amount of time. I don't know if there's a, uh, there's probably an over under for how long you should wait. The guy walked by me like I was invisible, Rick. That would infuriate. That was a Larry David moment if I've ever, he didn't say a bloody word. Did you let him get away with it or did you, well, what was worse? We we got in there. We got in there. The man is dead. Yeah, we. We got in there, though, and then the girl's here, can I help you? And then he deferred to me and said, this gentleman was ahead of me. And I said, no, no, you go ahead. That was, you got taken to the Yeah, that was double <laughs> duty I did, but just shows the man I am. And, uh, yeah, I did kick one of his things out. <laughs> shows the man he is now, dead. <laughs> half a man. If you were half a man, you'd take me to the circus. If I was half a man, I'd be in the circus. <laughs> <laughs> on this international oh, an elephant got into my pajamas see. I never know <laughs> I want to say thank you uh, and buenas noches to all our fans in Argentina uh, the podcast is sponsored as always by backpackingunbound.com you can reach us at in the lion's den podcast at gmail.com send your suggestions questions comments nudes to in the lines den podcast at gmail.com. All right. To thanks. all you women out there. We See love you next week.